Boom! Let's get this started. It is the 2nd of February. I am just pushing and pushing to see how late I can get these out. And uh, episode, I think, 41 or 42, I can easily go have a look at the list of solid 60 episodes I have up on Omni Studio, my new network. Let's have a look. 41 was the last one. I don't know how I got a bit of my ahead of myself there, but basically this is episode 42. Going back to the browser, I'm going to look at Glass today. Last episode I talked about Split. I haven't really done one on Unbreakable. I might have to go back and watch that because it's been, I don't know, 16 years or something. So that might be good to have the trilogy all together at some point, even if it's a little bit out of order. So yeah, we're looking at the IMDb page. Of course, it got 7 out of 10, which isn't too bad. A lot of critics weren't happy. Apparently the meta score is 42, which is very bad. Uh, but I liked it. I had a lot of fun, like I've said before. Let's see what other people have to say, at least about the uh, details, because that's what we're all about. God's in those details, which sounds like a good... There's a, there's a twist on that that could be a name for a movie detail podcast. I came up with the one the other day, the, the pod delusion, because I could interview people and pretend that it's going to have a huge amount of listeners. Like it's at the level of the Conan O'Brien podcast or the Dak Shepard one or any of those ones that have like a million listeners. Because they're famous. It's got nothing to do with their skills or charisma. So, yeah, we're looking at Glass. I'm going to run into this. I know I did edit the last one and I kept talking about how I was going to start and then I just would ramble on about other things. And I know at one point there was at least uh, a really obvious (laughs) point where I lost completely forgot that I was trying to make a point and I just, I never got back to it. So I was like, I am like an old man. I know I'm 40 in about a month, but I might as well be 60 the way my brain works, it seems. So hopefully I'm not alone in that. Maybe uh, there's something wrong with me. I'll just have to keep trying. And that's what I think I've gotten a little better over the year or so of doing it. I had to get up and do a public speech the other day and a small crowd. But yeah, I just completely crashed. I'm used to doing this on my own or just with a friend. So yeah, it doesn't exactly translate into a crowded room. But um, hey just got to keep trying and yeah with the public speaking i'll probably have to do more of that there's i don't know if toastmasters is still a thing my mum used to do that and i went along and it was very awkward but uh maybe i'm old enough now to give it a shot speaking of rambling so i've got the page in front of me i'm not going to divert anymore i'm going to go straight into the first one which is samuel l jackson he said working with james mcavoy as good as i like to think i am or what i do and how i do it Watching somebody transform characters in front of your eyes and have an argument with four different people is pretty amazing. Yeah, that was one of my favorite aspects of the film. And uh, yeah, obviously a lot of people got a kick out of that. It was kind of the showpiece for him. Uh, Not a lot of the other characters did much. I mean, Al Jackson was really good at his... uh, Once he got talking for the first half of the movie, at least maybe three quarters of it, he was not really doing much other than sitting there. Not that he ever gets out of the chair, but he was literally just like a mute until he finally got into gear, so to speak. And uh, from then on, it was a roller coaster ride. So, yeah, I mean, I'm curious to see what... Oh, that's the other thing. I was going to read out my friend Roni's review. All right, you'd think the number of times that happens, I would learn to turn the phone off um, before I started. But I had to take that call. It was uh, pretty messed up. Very upset mother with a very upset child. Had to go to gym class this morning. It is Saturday. They're trying out some sort of kids' gym thing. I don't know. They're trying to teach them how to do certain movements. And he's not very good with brand new environments. The old Gabriel. And uh, trying to learn. I, I don't know. It just didn't work out. So <laughs> they're all a bit upset. Once we... I'll head out and take him to the shops or something. And it all should chill and simmer down. 
but I do want to run through this quickly. Uh, I was talking about my mate's little message about what he thought of The Punisher, the second season, but hey, let's do things one at a time. I do have to th- figure out what's going on with Glass. I still haven't given it a score. Let's start off with that. I'm going to push it up to, I think, about a seven, seven and a half. It was all right. It wasn't an epic, mind-blowing film at the top level, top tier, but it was a good time. I mean, the acting was faultless. I just think Sean Malone's stuff carries a lot of baggage, and he's made, he's had a lot of... Uh, the, I've got to grade it on a curve to a degree because I, I can't help thinking of all the ones that just really bond. And I don't mean just financially. But for me, Signs was a real disappointment. And even the one he did with... Because it's not so much it was terrible all the way through. It's the, it's the promise. It's the, wow, this, this concept is, is really cool. The invasion. And, and they build up to this huge potential thing. And then it just kind of all falls apart. Which didn't happen here, thankfully, I don't think. Um, I was left a little flat by the end. Uh, it was a strange ending. But I, I, I can see why he went that way. Like it... There was a certain logic to it. I don't think there'll be any more. I don't know how much I can spoil with this. Ultimately, if you're going to listen to anything that I talk about, you better have seen it first, because I'll probably, if not accidentally, will spoil it. So, yeah. But I'll wait. (laughs) For some reason, it feels wrong to start with that. Back into the trivia. He based one of the 23 personalities on a young Sayors Ronan, who he worked with in the film Atonement. Huh. Wonder? That's very specific. That would have been the actress when he worked with her 10 years ago more than 10 years ago so we don't have a lot of reference for that other than maybe how close she is to the character she played in that movie so strange it's not not a lot we can do with that uh the hospital where the movie was filmed was an actual mental hospital located in allentown pennsylvania that's interesting i don't know how much of the exterior shots were that hospital because uh it's pretty freaking beautiful grounds they've got this amazingly long driveway right up to it it's, it's it's insane it looks like a royal property of some kind like it's just grand as fuck and on the inside not so much so that was probably the interior stuff while promoting the movie the director noted the film was a once in a lifetime movie that disney armed buena vista who owns the rights to unbreakable and split oh wait so they agreed to team up for the film basically that's universal and buena vista i don't think this will ever happen again where two studios had two ips they completely owned and i said can we make a sequel to both and you guys share it and they said yes which from what I've heard about how hard it is to do that from Kevin Smith when he wanted to do a sequel to Clark's or Morat's or any of those properties and it was too complicated. They were like, yeah, even though you'd probably make some money from it, they just didn't want to give up the rights and it was just a fucking mess. So somehow Shyamalan has a bit more juice to get stuff like that done. Samuel Jackson, who played Elijah, is five years older than Charlene Woodard, who plays Elijah's mother. Wait. That is confusing. If they, I thought they were talking about the flashback, because yeah, he plays not obviously he's not playing a little boy. I'd be really impressed with CGI if they did that. But there's a young Elijah in a scene with his mother, uh, where he's at a some kind of amusement park, and obviously she knows that he's brittle, and he gets in this ride and gets absolutely destroyed by it. Uh, even though it's just like basically a merry-go-round. But I think they're talking about the actress that plays his mother in the present who is only he's five years older than the woman who plays his own mother. That's a little strange. I knew she was looking good for someone who's apparently this old dude's mother, but wow, to be five years younger than the guy, that's stretching things a little. I suppose I could say that a lot of his 
age is uh, like the character could be younger than the actor because he just looks really old because of his condition. So that's the one escape route they have there, I guess. Okay, so used unseen footage from Unbreakable in this film for scenes depicting memories of David or Joseph. That's cool. Got picked up off the cutting room floor. I love that and because I'm a huge fan of saving any kind of... I, I just hate waste. So I'm glad they could get that in there somehow. He talked about the importance of colours, saying, yeah, I chose green for David because it's associated with life-giving properties. Oh, that's the reason why he likes green. Yeah, it seems kind of obvious now that he mentions it. He's the protector of life. I chose ochre or mustard for the beast because it's associated with religious ceremonies, Hindu and Buddhist, a monk's robe. I see the beast as an evangelist, a preacher, who wants to save the broken. Yeah, I mean, in a way, his motives are kind of admirable, other than the whole eating of, like, children thing. Finally, I chose purple for Mr. Glass because that's been associated with royalty, majestic qualities. I thought it was just evil, but, yeah, the royalty thing makes sense too. And he sees himself as important. A main character. In one of the scenes inside Kevin Crumb's cell, a shelf can be seen with a large quantity of toothbrushes. Well, that's nice that basically catered to that need. Like, yeah, we'll give him more. All the, I mean, even in the cell, I let him do that. I guess it was the uh, psychologist, as you know her, playing along with his little delusion, as she calls it. Director M. Night Shyamalan said, as they believe in the comic book world, the primary colours in the film become more dominant. As they stop believing, they fade to a monochromatic world. The pink room where they do therapy is pink, red fading to white, because this is where they stop believing. Well, damn, I knew there was a good reason why they did that in a pink room, and because I'm not smart enough, I have to read this. David explained why. That does actually make sense. I don't know if it subconsciously works, like, even if you don't explicitly understand the concept behind it, I don't know if it kind of filters in through to you on another level. Uh, the original script included Kevin as an emerging villain for David to face against, but uh, he could never make it work within the confines of a single movie. Thus, Kevin ended up on Split. This as the culmination of the idea. Yeah, that works. I needed to flesh him out a little bit, especially with the number of how complex his character is. You couldn't have him just turn up on his own without any real backstory. The movie has a 39-day shoot. That's pretty goddamn efficient. It's 134 pages. Under normal circumstances, it would have been a nightmare of red tape to pass through. Yeah, this is about the studios. It's the first ever co-production between Universal and Disney, which have been heated rivals, or I should say who. Both the film and theme park businesses for more than half a century. The only other sort of co-production was uh, on TV with Monk. Reportedly, Disney had no problem letting the film uh, introduce David Dunn into its final scene that's split so long as they had some input on a full sequel well, that's awfully nice of them maybe things have like evolved a little bit over time with those sort of studios being a bit more open to that type of production he said the original cut had a runtime of nearly 23 and a half hours he trimmed it up a bit by cutting three of Kevin Crumb's 23 personalities out of the film what? 23 and a half hours? alright that's there's obviously some kind of inside joke there where three of the personalities would just talk for 20 hours or something and he had to play with that Sarah Paulson accepted her part without reading the script I love her she was on uh, American Horror and she knows when she's on a good thing and her role was originally written for a man no I think it works better with with a woman the film marked the fifth time Bruce Willis and Samuel Jackson appeared in a movie the others were Loaded Weapon Pulp Fiction Die Hard with a Vengeance and Unbreakable there you go. A long time, mates, I'm sure. 
Inside the comic shop, Joseph visits you, walks past a neon purple villain sign and a neon green hero sign. Yeah, I mean, that lampshaded the whole. I mean, up to that point, it'd all be very subtle and you had to pick up on it, but that really just spelled things out, literally. The comic book store uh, he visits near the end of the film is the same comic book store in which Elijah Price buys a comic in Unbreakable. Yeah, why not? You know, you're going to have a local shop. That's where people are going to go. There's not going to be like five of them. These days, you're lucky to find one in the city. They're all closing down, unfortunately. And yeah, there was obviously a cameo by... I don't know if this comes up further down, but um, M. Night, he came back and I think he was playing the same character because he was buying stuff from the security store that David Don ran, like CCTV type shop. And in the previous film, he was like a security guard, so it makes sense that he'd be the same guy. While there was interest in creating a sequel uh, following Breakable's release, Touchstone opted not to, even though it got a solid box office. He uh, set out on writing Split using a character he'd written for Unbreakable, but pulled from the script. Oh, it was supposed to be in the original film. He realised the opportunity to create a trilogy and adapted the ending of Split to establish the film as within the Unbreakable narrative. Because up to that point, after right up to the end, it could have been completely its own thing. And this included securing the rights from Disney. We've heard about this a lot. The promise of including them within the production. Yeah, so it's very tricky to do that, hopefully. Now he's got his own production company. He can stick to... Uh, doing as much of his own stuff as he can. He doesn't have to worry about getting permission from 50 different bloody studios. This is the first film to be a corporate... Yeah, we, we know that. It took... I mean, someone should really go through this stuff and delete the duplicates. That's the problem when you have a website and they don't want to spend any money on it, like IMDb, and they just... It's all user-created content and there's almost no moderation. I mean, how hard would it be? How many big blockbuster movies are there? Okay, you get a 100 or so a year, you know, worldwide including a couple of smaller ones. Okay, big blockbuster. There's a tongue twister. Big blockbuster. 30 a year. I, even that's probably pushing it. I'm showing my idiocy here. But basically, they could have someone go through this now and then and make sure this section has the same trivia about 16 times. Let's clean that up a bit. I mean, how hard would that be to do? Or at least go, I, what they could do, like they had with the... And I was a bit disappointed that they did that, even though it was kind of a mess to navigate... And they had the chat forums for IMDb. I'm sure they had people they could appoint as moderators that they didn't even pay, but those people would have been quite happy to be seen as, you know, that kind of false sense of, oh, I've got some uh, legitimacy here, I run a forum on IMDb, I'm the man. They could do something like that with the trivia, not even pay someone. They'd be happy to do it, a bit like Wikipedia. But laziness pervades. Anyway, so <laughs> that's my little gripe. I'm going to move on to the next. I mean, there's three in a row talking about that whole Disney Universal thing. Three in a row. Like, does do when they add something to it, the people that contribute, and good for them, because I've never done it myself. If you're going to contribute, at least read what's already there, unless it's all being posted at exactly the same time. Christ. It took him uh, 19 years to create the trilogy. All right. It earns the rights. Yes, again, we get it with the freaking studios. Uh, it does mention though that he mortgaged his house so big props for that kind of risk uh, Boston Christopher returns as the comic book clerk he even uses similar dialogue to show that he's the very same character from Unbreakable gotta love that consistency uh, the comic book theme first introduced in Unbreakable and alliteration is frequently seen in the names of comic book characters again as mentioned in the trivia in the last film oh god it's all the same thing when David Don is taken into the mental hospital, the first camera feed is seen labelled H2O. David's weakness is water. 
which hints that the hospital is dangerous to him. Well, I mean, they do set up a giant tank of water that's ready to spray into his cell at any moment, so that doesn't really give away the end game. When Elijah Price sees David Dunn, he's joined him in the same sanitarium, he cracks a small menacing grin. Okay, so I must have missed that, because right when he first gets introduced, you're like, he's got nothing going on in his head, he's a complete vegetable. Uh, it's similar to a scene in Batman The Dark Knight Returns as an incarcerated catatonic Joker breaks from his slumber with a sinister half-grin upon seeing Batman returning to Gotham City. In both scenarios, the villain regains their purpose and drive once their old enemy reappears. As that was the whole, okay, I'm going to reveal it now, thing behind the, the story underneath the main apparent story is that this psychologist represents a 10,000-year-old cabal of humans that basically stamp on any kind of aberration like a superhero popping up because their theory is that if you have a good guy then a bad guy is going to rise to meet them and they're both going to just cause havoc and in the long run and the big picture you've got to break a few eggs to make an omelette they take out anyone good or bad and it just prevents this whole escalation of evil and destruction so you can kind of again there's merit in that philosophy but when you see it come off the page and onto the screen it's like oh that's a bit bit harsh that guy was perfectly nice why did you have to do that and it doesn't go well for them either so he drew inspiration from the following comic books saga so i read saga and i'm a big fan i don't know where the inspiration is from that but I'll just roll with it because, you know, maybe I'm not smart enough to see the parallels without really stopping to think about it for a long time. But Okay, Forbidden Brides of the Faceless Slaves in the Secret House of the Night of Dread Desire. Now that's a title. I've got to track that down. Sandcastle, Paper Girls, Day Tripper and Last Look. Well, the dude reads. I've got to give him respect for that. I mean, <laughs> that's probably one of the least things... <clears throat> I mean, he makes movies, so that's probably the main thing you should respect him for, but the guy reads a lot more than I do, and uh, I'm jealous. According to M. Night, the movie is the first truly grounded comic book movie, whatever that means. And yeah, he plays a customer at the Dunn security store and recognises David Dunn as a former security guard and credits him for putting him on a good path. In Unbreakable, he cameoed as a drug dealer whom David has a run-in with. So yeah, I, I think he fits as the same character into all three films, which is cool. It's the second Shyamalan movie to be released in an IMAX. The other one was After Earth. Oh god. So I've got to confirm that's the one with Jaden Smith. It got absolutely hammered. 4.8. And that's the IMDb score. The meta score is 33. I still haven't seen it. And it's sci-fi, so I'll probably watch it someday. I'm not going to buy it, but if it ever ends up on Stan or something. The film is a proper secret. Yeah, we know that. Shyamalan psychologist where Unbreakable followed a man whose modest his modest image of himself had blinded him to his true power Split explored the power of a monster created by a traumatised mind Glass is interested in the very essence of identity by asking a question are we objectively what we are or rather the physical result of what our minds shape and determine are you a superhero if you think you are yeah that was kind of cool I love that uh, exploration of themes McAvoy up the ante on the number of personalities in Split it went from 9 that was still pretty impressive to whopping 19 appearing on screen in this one so maybe all 23 will show up if no they can't do another one but it's a pity that they didn't all get a, at least a moment yeah so every personality had to have a distinct voice and presence and he worked with 
and night to define each identity, of course. So it repeatedly references the tallest building in Philadelphia, the so-called Osaka Tower, which evokes and could intentionally be a reference to the equally fictional Nakatomi Tower, the site of Bruce Willis's action debut, Die Hard. Yeah, I mean, you can see X-Men comics in the comic book shop. Obviously, James McAvoy plays the younger version of Professor X. We all know that. Not a big deal. In the film, the Osaka Tower is across the street from Philadelphia's 30th Street Station and can be seen a relatively short distance from the front steps of the hospital. In reality, the hospital used for filming is in Pennsylvania, which is actually 60 miles away. But so what? That's how movies work. That should be in the goofs if they're really going to jump on that. And obviously you can see in the comic book shop a lot of the Marvel comics where Samuel Jackson is playing the character known as Nick Fury. That's okay. It's just a slightly different universe. If you've watched Sliders and movies like that, you can kind of forgive a lot of things like that because you realise, yeah, there's slightly different timelines where in this timeline, he's not an actor that plays a character in those Marvel books. They still have the Marvel books. He's just not in them. He's not in a lot of things. Obviously, it's just, you know, if you can't go down that rabbit hole. Jesus. It's kind of cute that, yeah, there's Marvel books and he's awesome, but it's not something you can get hung up on. Unlike most every... Unlike almost every other great studio movie, its effects never draw attention to them. In appearance, it's often impossible to say which elements, if any, are computer-generated. This is explained both by pure creative will and by practical considerations. Cool, I like that. Comment, it's true, you don't see a lot of CGI. There's a few bits where it's kind of obvious, like where the beast is running across the grass, unless the actor pulled that off, and oh my god, if he did, but... He's kind of running across the forecourt of the mental asylum like an actual beast. He's not especially big or anything. It's just the movements of his body and speed. It's just terrifying. There must have been some digital assistance there. To create a dark atmosphere, he appealed to the director of photography, Mike Gioluk. Why does he have to have a Greek name? The latter is none other than the person responsible for the oppressive atmosphere of It Follows. The Little Surprise of the Horror genre released in 2015. Also after seeing this film, that the director of Sixth Sense decided to hire the chief operator for Split and Glass. Spoilers! Towards the end of the movie, it's revealed that Elijah was also responsible for the death of Kevin's father. I mean, they made this out to be a huge deal, uh, but it was kind of obvious. I mean, I think even by the end of Split, you kind of figured that could, could have been where the father went on that particular train. That would explain why... There's an association with the train yard and all that sort of stuff. It's an event that ultimately forced Kevin to stay with his abusive mother, a situation which caused Kevin to form his multiple personalities. In the movie, uh, David bumps a woman holding a boy's hand at the stadium in Unbreakable. The bump triggers a reaction in David, helping him hear the scream of the boy who was being abused. And he didn't know anything about it. He thought some drug dealer was worse. I would very strongly postulate that it would have been more useful for David to help out the kid, but... Hey, wouldn't have been a movie then. When Casey, that's the, yeah, you, the first time I've seen her mentioned, and she's a big part of this movie, is doing her comic book research, she asks the teller about its history. He points out Action Comics, number one, whose cover classically portrays Superman holding a motor vehicle over his head. In this film, Mr. Glass refers to the finale as not a limited edition, but an origin story before his demise. We then learn his master plan was to kickstart the real-world comic book universe himself. And thus, the final image of the film is the masses at the train station watching the beast lifting a police car up to remove the cops therein. The same image that kicked off the world of comics, so too, 
reveals the unbreakable universe to the real world. Holy shit, this guy is a genius. All right, so uh, that's a cool little homage to the cover issue of Superman. And now that it's pointed out, it's kind of obvious what he did there, but I'm still really impressed. And that's why I read this for details like that. It's about an hour into the movie before Samuel Jackson speaks. Not surprised by that. Uh, Elijah explains that David's weakness to water is actually a hero's trait after reading a comic book about a secret society that monitors the weakness of various good and evil superhumans in order to stop them. Therefore, it's very likely that Elijah noticed the similarities with Dr. Staple and her organization that her true intentions figured out the moment he met her. Here's a smart cookie. When Joseph Dunn is about to leave the comic store, he turns around and looks at the villain section and the comic book Whisper Man catches his eye. Joseph Dunn. So I think that's, yeah, David's son. Because they all end up at that comic book shop at one point. And the subprint asks who his parents. The comic is an Easter egg reveal reference to Dr. Ellie Staple being the real villain in the film. Dr. Staple is a master in the art of deception and is obsessed with her ability to convince others of any reality she deems necessary. Ah, I didn't quite take all that in when I saw it. I just thought it was more like that's what triggered him to go and look up who um, the father was. That's why he went looking for the parents and he discovered that the father had been killed in that train crash caused by Mr. Glass, who threatens to blow a few stories off the brand new Osaka Tower with the beast as his right hand. He uses this to influence David Dunn to break free to stop them. This parallels with a villain trope of a veiled master plan. Similarly, Lex Luthor fibs about a poison gas pellet he plans on releasing to the public in order to lure Superman to his hideout in Richard Donner's Superman the movie. I thought it was the first time that had been done. There you go, nothing is original. On the cover of the magazine, the headline calls the old Osaka Tower a real marvel... This is a reference to the movie's premise that the real people that real people are the basis for comic book characters, of which Marvel Comics is one of the largest. Yeah, that was kind of an obvious that wasn't very subtle. A real Marvel. I was like, oh man, that's a bit on the nose, that one. In the background during two of the scenes in the comic book shops, one of the comic book titles is Strange Happenings, which is similar to his early movie, The Happening. That's eh, a bit of a reach. But you never know with this guy. And I'm not a big fan of goofs, but I'll go down to... Is there any plot hole type ones? They're the ones that really get me going. Miscellaneous, whatever that means. He mentions Joseph, There, that is, mentions mutilations at the zoo. That is the event seen in Split. That's taking place three weeks ago. Also, several times it's mentioned that the crash of East Trail 177 was 19 years ago. But at the end of Split... A diner patron mentions uh, Mr. Glass having been put away 15 years before. Since the train wreck and Elijah's capture are only a few days apart, both time frames cannot be true. Well spotted. See, that's a goof that's worth calling out. Obviously, not every detail was covered. And obvious oversight there. Yeah, the rest are all just sort of continuity things. Someone's holding a coffee, then they're not. No, No big deal. Someone's got a leftover sandwich and banana. However, later... When she comes in to clean up the office, the food's gone. Small things. I don't think any movie's got away with none of it. And that's it. That's all the trivia and goofs I can find. If I go to reviews, that might be something to start doing. But, I mean, how lazy can I get? Can I just go reading out reviews? Probably not. Half an hour into this, I should probably wrap it up. So that's Glass, everyone. Had a good time. Uh, There won't be any more in that world, unfortunately, though they could start completely, like you said, it was an origin story. Uh, You could maybe still have the two kids and the organization, and then whatever other heroes are inspired 
by the footage that is revealed at the end of two actual heroes that have been suppressed for thousands of years of like anyone slightly overpowered being basically taken out before they're revealed running i don't know basically there's potential there for world and whether he follows that rabbit hole and has to create a whole new bunch of characters that pop up maybe i'd watch it uh, and every time he, he he's still working and he's getting better every time i think he's, there's probably a limit to how good he can get but I had a, the budget was 20 million the opening weekend was 40 million the gross was 77 million but the worldwide was 100 so he certainly made enough money with it yeah i, I hope he keeps him coming somehow at least, you know, he had that dip. He had that sort of nadir with, uh, I think the worst was Avatar. And, you know, he didn't stop there. He picked himself up and he's doing, he's going strong. So respect. All right, there was an article I did want to read. Um, oh, yeah, but first, what Roni said, who's been on this, uh, not my, this particular podcast, but on Banana Split for one episode. That didn't work out too well because he was hungry and wanted to go. And I was just a bit awkward about the whole thing and we had a friend there helping us with the recording and it just came off really dry i think but he when he when he has a something to say he really gets into it so that was what i wanted i wanted him at his most verbose and his most opinionated and it just didn't come out and i know it's just a matter of finding the right energy and time and place but for now i'll have to make do with reading it from private message he sent me after watching season two he's he watched glass the other day as well so maybe next episode i'll get his reaction on that the scene in the russian gym he's talking about i oh, know wait there's a bit more before that I'll, I'll go all the way up i'll have to skip past the stuff i'm going on about oh yeah i sent him a screen cap from a reddit thread where there was a bit of a terrible pun and it was basically it can be said that amy the female character in the punisher fulfilled her dream of getting into marine salvage she saved frank and that's a joke because obviously frank was a marine uh yeah i caught that too pretty good pun that's why they call it the Punisher, oh dear, you know where the door is. So I sent that, and he was a bit upset because he thought it was a spoiler. Because you know, you find out that she saves him, but I mean, come on, it's not like he's gonna die. So you know that roughly he's gonna get saved somehow, and probably by the f- I mean, it just makes sense. But it's like seeing as I'm only halfway through the second season, thanks, but he got over it. Uh, I'm a fan of the Punisher, struggling with the show though, so it's as it's not the Punisher, he's good. But the story is just shit. Nothing like the Punisher in it. I really thought he'd like the first three episodes, but damn, he's just brutal. I've never met anyone that's as brutal. He resets at the start of both seasons. There's no continuation, no drive. External things drive him to it. He's hot-headed, doesn't calculate, eager to run into a fist fight and runs those risks and run those risks. Leaves so many bad guys alive and kills people that the Punisher would have left alive. He always needs to have someone to save. The scene in the Russian gym, he just would not have uh, gone for a fist fight. He would have taken them out as soon as he walked in. The head Russian, he sure wouldn't have let live just because he had a daughter. That's the uh, head mafia guy. He just kind of goes, whoa, he's got family too. And lets him go. The guys who went after him for the bounty, he probably would have just injured. So many scenes just were 180 degrees around from him it was like he got worked up slowly into a blinding killing mentality starting the second season with the new girl to get shot to propel the story was dumb no comics ever started again with that his war was almost what drove him he lost his lost wife and kids started it and then that was just the way he was i think the big conspiracies and making everything a personal connection was the wrong direction 
anyway there's some things to like but it's not the punisher so that's that's pretty much what he had to say there and um i don't know i'm not quite as much of a religious zealot about the character i think different directors different writers can do what they want with it to a degree i uh, might have some good points there but I, I had a good time with it obviously it wasn't perfect i think that was a bit of a harsh assessment but other people might agree with him i'd like to know i just got a bunch of friend requests i'm going to confirm anyone that has mutual friends basically as long as they're not obviously too fake this one is a female so i have to make sure it's not just porn links but no it seems legit and uh, the mutual friends are also legit so yep go on with that it's weird to have two or three on the same morning usually I get like one a week maybe one every couple of weeks yeah i don't know what i did i must have posted something somewhere and people have gone hey that guy seems cool which is rare these days. These days with Facebook, everyone, you basically have to be almost hanging out with someone in person dated for a couple of days in a row before it's like, oh, maybe we can step up to Facebook. Everyone's a lot more careful about it. Um, but yeah, there was other articles I wanted to read. I was going on to talk about how China is disappearing people way off pop culture, nothing to do with pop culture, but I am fascinated by the whole, uh, it's like a North Korea times a, th- a million because it's, I mean, North Korea has a couple of million people. It's a fascinating little microcosm one of the last dictatorships where they were kidnapping Japanese people off the beach or directors and actresses just so he could create his own little world that he wanted to live in. And it's still, to a degree, a very weird little place. And China, everyone assumes, is just this huge uh, modern democracy where it's like, oh, they're just like us now. Which, in a lot of ways, they are. They're a lot of individualism, a lot of consumerism. A lot of people basically doing what they want to do and a pretty healthy middle class, but it is definitely not anything like the States or America, a traditional Western democracy. The government still does what it wants to do and there's almost no personality or celebrity or scientist or academic or artist who is safe. If they say the wrong thing or step out of line, and I don't want to sound too crazy, but yeah, like this article in the Sydney Morning Herald, sorry, I do read them a lot, but this is on the ABC website that I started using a lot more since the paywall kicked in on Sydney Morning Herald, which I can understand, you know, they've got people to pay, but when it's free and it's good journalism, why? It's <laughs> As a consumer, you're going to go with the obvious alternative. So anyway, I'll, I'll bang this out because it's just completely different from what I normally talk about, but I do find it a really weird situation and there's a lot here. So this will finish off the podcast, I think. The other stuff can can wait. There is another one I did want to go to because it's it's a it's been a while. It's been up here for a bit. So actually, I'll kick that off first because it's just a quick one. Posted on January the twenty third on uh, flickeringmyth.com. and I don't know how I came across it, but it looks like a cool website. Lots of articles, lots of pop culture stuff, comics, games, you, you name it. Um, and this one is quoting. Charlie Cox, obviously the actor behind Daredevil, and he's saying that in a weird way he's glad it was cancelled before the show could descend into lunacy. Of course, many people are saddened by the news of uh, the cancellation, and that includes all the cast and crew of the show. He's been particularly vocal about it, Charlie Cox, supporting the online fan petition and expressing his anger. So there's a little bit of inconsistency there. But, in a similar manner to his co-star Deborah Allen Wall, who I'm guessing is the one that plays Karen, he found a silver lining. Speaking to Collider, he said, in the interest of being positive and looking forward, I'm also grateful we got to the end on such a high. 
sometimes with these genre shows when you're making so much content I've already made 50 something hours of this character it's very hard to maintain quality over that long a period and so in a weird way I'm also grateful that we did a quality show from start to finish it didn't descend into lunacy it would have been nice to have one more though I think they could have done another season and so do a lot of other people so it's a bit harsh off Netflix it's certainly true that too many shows out say they're welcome and become a shadow of their former selves in later seasons and with Daredevil Season 3 being such a triumph, it's definitely not a bad way to end things. What do you think? So does... What's this website called? I'll give it... Props Flickering Myth. I'm going to favourite that website. I'll just go to their main page. Movie Review. Alita Battle Angel. Ooh, I'll read that in a minute. Because uh, I want to see it first, though. I like to actually go into the movie as untainted as possible. So I'll catch that next week. Uh, for now, though, I want to go into this China thing. Core came in, it looks like I do have to rush off and do father type things, which is always a nice obligation to have to fulfill. For now, that'll have to be it. It's all about the glass and it's all about some random other stuff that I covered. Uh, personal things, I haven't really been going to the gym too much. Uh, I think I went once in the last two weeks. I really have to uh, pick up the game there, of course, as usual. Um, I haven't heard back from the jiu-jitsu place still, so I'll keep an eye on those payments, hopefully. One more will come out. If, if uh, there's no action after that, fine. If they keep coming out month after month, then I'll have to knock on that door again. Because I would have expected at least like a, an email response. Yeah, for now, I do have to rush off and do things with the kid because uh, help is required. So that's all good. But I promise I'll do the next one real soon and uh, we'll get it up there for your listening pleasure. Uh, thanks again. I love you all. Peace out and have a solid week.